Let's pray. Oh Lord, we were rushing to be on time today. Our minds are full of our own things, our worries, thoughts, excitements, experiences. We want to be calm now so that we can hear you. Too often, oh God, we pray, listen, Lord, for your children are speaking. Today, help us to pray, speak, Lord, for your children are listening. Help our ears to hear your word. Help our hearts to trust what you say. Help our hands and our feet to do what you call us to do. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence, for your guidance, your wisdom in our lives. We ask all of this in your name alone. Amen. Today we are going to read from Luke 17, Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? He said to, then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want us to read this again, but in silence, in your own time, just read this passage again. So in what we read this morning, Jesus is still on his final journey to Jerusalem. And somewhere on this journey, he runs into 10 lepers. And these 10 recognize Jesus and ask him to help them. Leprosy, as you probably know, usually started with a small white spot and then got bigger and bigger and all over your body. It later became these big sores. And because of the sores and because of the fact that it was so visible, People saw these unhealthy men and women as unclean people. And because they were unclean and you weren't allowed to mingle with unclean people, they were forced to move out of society and stay on their own with their illness. They weren't allowed to be part of society. If you had leprosy, you weren't allowed to stay with your family anymore. You had to tear your clothes. If someone came near, you had to shout, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. This disease was seen as this punishment. These lepers must have heard and known about Jesus and what he had done and and what he was capable to do. 
And so they see him and probably thought, this is our last chance. This is our only hope. And they stood before him asking for help, hoping, believing that this could be the one person to heal them. And what does Jesus do? He sends them to go show themselves to the priests. Now, this is interesting because the priests were the only people who could declare unclean people clean again. So if they were declared clean by the priests, that means that they would again be part of society. They could go back into the temple. They could go to their families. They could live normal lives again. Part of a community, a bigger community. And so while on their way to the priests, they were healed. And only one of these men turned around, went back to Jesus and said, thank you. And it's interesting because Luke, and he has this way of doing this, he focuses Jesus' attention on the foreigner, the Samaritan, the outsider. Just like Jesus' own story about the Samaritan, he tells us about this person. And this man, this foreigner, puts the other nine to shame because they didn't turn around. I don't know about you, but when I read this, every time I read this passage, I can't help but find myself not being pleased and happy and proud of the one that turned around and went back. I wonder how it's possible for the other nine to not do it. How is it possible that their lives could change? Everything about them could change. Their social stance, their health, their home, their family lives, everything changes and still they don't go back and talk to Jesus. How is that even possible? Now, maybe they just couldn't wait to get to their families, people they haven't seen in ages. Maybe they heard from the priests about Jesus and who he was and that he was a marked man and they didn't want to go back to Jesus. They were scared. But whatever the reason is, they didn't go back. And that always hits home with me. When I do think about the other one, the Samaritan, the grateful one, I want to think I would do the same. I want to think, yes, I would be one of those who turn around and go say, thank you. I want to think I'll, I'll be able to be like Paul said, thank God always and for everything. And so the story, this lesson of gratitude makes me think of the effects of gratitude or the lack thereof in our lives. Tell me if this is the same for you. When you visit a different country, or when we were able to do that, one of the first things you do is orientate yourself with the basics. You want to know what transport they use. You want to know which areas are good to stay in. Um, you want to know what to see and where to eat and when what shouldn't be missed. And then you want to learn how to say a few words in that country's language. My first overseas trip to a country with a foreign language was to France. And everyone back home told me, you better learn some French. They don't want to speak English. <laughs> and so one of the first things you do is try and say hello in another language. And then you want to learn how to say thank you. Right? I mean, you're going to bound up being lost somewhere and ask for directions and want to say thank you. 
you're bound to buy something and have some sort of interaction. And then, I mean, I was like that. It wasn't not, not long before I went around, messy, 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 boo-boo, to everyone around and thinking I sounded perfect. I mean, you want to say donkey in South Africa. Dankeschön. Grazie. What else? Help me. I picked... Shishé in Chinese. Travelers, where are you? I, I picked all the easy ones, I know. <laughs> That's what we do so easily. We go to a place and we learn how to say merci. We learn how to say thank you. But in some way or another, giving thanks, living a life full of thankfulness and gratitude doesn't always come that naturally the moment we come back home. In our normal ways and days, we live a very different lifestyle, or so easily. We often let ourselves become a part of a world that assume we have an absolute right to health and happiness and every possible comfort, instead of living a life of gratitude. I read in a post this week about how, how few people say thank you, that there was this comment of a postman who said, before Christmas, he gets thousands of letters from children asking him to help Father Christmas when he brings their presents. And last year, he got one letter afterwards saying thanks. I think if we were to list examples in our lives where we forget or just don't say thank you, the list might get long. It's just so much easier to see what we don't have, to be jealous of what others seem to have. It's so much easier to get upset when life doesn't go our way 100% than to live a life of gratitude. And living a life of gratitude might mean to make a 180 turn Turn around and live a different life. See things differently. When we go back to our scripture, to this lesson in gratitude, that is exactly what happens. With this interaction with the outsider, we see this, we, see this, we get this lesson in the words Jesus uses when he talks to the Samaritan. Jesus' closing words to the Samaritan says, get up. Now get up. And that's a word that he used to the early Christians. They would have recognized it as resurrection. Like the prodigal son, this man was dead and now he is alive. He has a new life. The life that Israel was longing to have. To become alive and new. To be given a new beginning. And that's what this man received because of the faith that he had. Not just in the faith to be healed, but in the faith that this God, the God we know, the God of health and the God of, of caring and the God of loving, this God's son is Jesus. And when, the project, when this Samaritan turns around and goes to Jesus, we see he says, I know that you can help. I know that you are God's son. I believe this. I believe that you are the good and the here and the now. And it's that kind of faith that makes him turn around and go to Jesus in 
gratitude. In Luke, we see this theme about faith and salvation. To have faith is more than just receiving grace. It's about being grateful for the grace that we have received. The other nine received the grace. They got it, but there's something missing when that faith is without gratitude. Faith that has gratitude for the amazement of God's grace guides us to make a U-turn and go back to Jesus, even though empty-handed, to rejoice at the salvation that we've received. So faith is to know where our help comes from and then gratefully address it. And so we see in this story being saved and healed is only one part of the story. different when we see that faith also holds hand with gratitude. The miracle that Jesus did on that day is great, but the emphasize here is on the reaction of the Lucas, the connection between faith and gratitude. The Samaritan had a deep experience. That day he kneeled at the feet of the Lord and said, thank you. And that has made all the difference. We learn from an early age that we should be grateful for the grace of God. But somehow we still sometimes miss it. Do we still see life, our life, our health as a gift from God? And how do we respond to it? The surprise in the healing miracle is finally overshadowed by the grateful devotion of the Samaritan. As I said, it is one thing to receive healing as a miracle from God. It's another to react on it and alter the course of your life and thoughts according to it. And that is what this lesson in faith can teach us today. Without gratitude, our lives can easily become like this story I've heard. There's a story about how in some parts in Mexico, Hot water and cold water streams are right next to each other. And the women of the community would wash their laundry in the, in the warm side of it, of the water, and then rinse it in the cold side of the water. And a tourist who witnessed this activity said to his Mexican guide, I suppose that these women are so grateful for Mother Nature that she, she was so generous in providing such an abundant source of hot and cold water for them. But no, came the guide's answer. No, senor, they are complaining because she did not also provide soap. <laughs> when we have gratitude, our lives will be different than this. Our lives will go in another direction. Anne Lamott writes that gratitude's be gratitude begins in our hearts and it seeps into behavior. In those moments when we stop and see what's around us and appreciate it, it's then that gratitude will seep into our lives and ways. Being grateful, therefore, can, can have all sorts of effects on your life. It will move you to pray. It will relieve some of your inner needs. It will teach us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Gratitude means taking God at his word. 
It helps us to feel different in bad, horrible situations. It's a gentle reminder of what God is doing. Gratitude shows you how to be excited about things. It helps you to act positive. It teaches you to cherish little small moments in each day. And it deepens the integral link between our faith in Jesus and who he is in God. Now, luckily, over the last couple of months, people all over the world have helped us in thinking and moving in the lines of gratitude. There's been these waves of organizations and companies that have said thank you, especially to health workers who gave their all during COVID. There's been dances and videos and songs where people just needed, they, they had to say thank you. Here too in New Zealand, have you seen that BP ad, the wild, the wild Bean ad, where every New Zealander gets a free coffee, a thank you coffee from BP, which you can either claim or pay forward to someone else. We didn't know we were supposed to pay it forward, so we just got our free coffee. <laughs> But that's what you're probably supposed to do. So every time we see the ad, we feel kind of bad. But it helps us think. How inspiring is that? How inspiring is that to see how people are also changing their ways and their lives? Now, as Rumi said, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. So how do we do this? How do we act more gratefully? How do we... How do we make that a part of our lives when it's sometimes so difficult? Richard Raw says, prayer is sitting in the silence until it silences us, choosing gratitude until we are grateful and praising God until we ourselves are an act of praise. Prayer is sitting in the silence until it silences us, choosing gratitude until we are grateful and praising God until we ourselves are an act of praise. There's this all spiritual discipline that teaches we should make a list of what we are thankful for every day. What a wonderful discipline to have. When faith and gratitude holds hands, wonderful things will happen to us when we alter the way we see God's providence and help when we alter our behaviors, when it comes to gratitude. I know, I can imagine what will happen to our lives when we have this discipline part of our everyday life, part of our personal time with God every day to make a list of the things we are thankful for. We will be amazed at what we find there. We will be amazed at how different the time we spend with God will be. We have so much to be thankful for. As we say, today is Father's Day. Today is the day where we say thank you to our dads. Or we think of our dads and thank God that we know them or got to know them. That we have them now or had them for a little while. We say thank you to the father figures in our lives. But this day can be more than that. It can be more than just a commercialized day. We can see it as a day that cultivates gratitude for the people in our lives who loves us, who guides us. Today can be the day to be thankful for more than just dads. It could be the day that you start your spiritual discipline of 
thinking about the things you are grateful for. I'm going to give you two minutes to start with your list in your head. Think about two things, five things, ten things that you are grateful for. 